Welcome to The Treatment with Dr. Rahi. I'm Dr. Rahila Sarbazia, your host. This is your resource for all things health, wellness, and beauty. Hi, it's Dr. Rahi. Welcome to my podcast on sex. I'm very excited to be hosting this with three lovely ladies who will give us better insight on female sexuality. So I'll start by introducing everyone. Start with Lauren. Hi. Hi. Thank you for coming. (laughs) So early in the morning. Lauren Brim, PhD, is a doctor of sexuality. That's so interesting. She's changing the conversation about how we have sex. She's the author of five books. One of them is The New Rules of Sex. Mm -hmm. Wow. There's some new rules. (laughs) I didn't even know that there were old rules. Yes, there are. That's the thing. Well, I guess, yeah. Mm -hmm. She's the founder and creator of Adult Playmat and, and the makeup and apparel brand Turned On. She's worked in the healing arts for over a decade and began to specialize in women's sexual health after training to be a midwife and realizing that healthcare providers weren't speaking with women about sex. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Her work focuses on breaking down barriers to health, relationships, and pleasure by expanding our individual and cultural paradigm of sexuality. She's a gifted healer and speaker with a private practice as a mind-body sex therapist in Los Angeles. Yep. Yeah. That's me. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Yeah. Okay. So cool. Conversation. <laughs> Next guest is Cassie. Cassie Gibson. Mm-hmm. She's a co-founder of Clit Health, which is a, <laughs> a an app that is focused on connecting women with sex therapists, with OBGYNs and nurse practitioners. She has a three a three plus year history <laughs> experience in healthcare products. She draws experience with universal design and inclusive design practices, as well as having worked with Texas Medical Center mm-hmm. and the Rice University Kinder Institute of Urban Research. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> and Lily is a personal friend. Yes. <laughs> I'm happy to have you on. She's a Los Angeles-based beauty and effect makeup artist who works in the film and television industry. Mm-hmm. When she isn't on set, she can often be found working out, (laughs) roller skating, cooking, or telling stories about her unconventional lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Although an artist by trade, Lily has always taken a keen interest in the culture of sex and has no qualms pushing boundaries in discussing topics surrounding it. Yep, that's me. (laughs) Very cool. So the reason why I thought of this topic during many of our conversations <laughs> during a lot of those. <laughs> was because recently I had started offering two different female sexual health procedures, which their focus is to improve the li- the sexual lives of women. Mm-hmm. And just the reaction that I received when offering these services was very interesting to me. I've never received so much positive and negative reactions Mm -hmm. and so having you know experienced that that made me think more about you know female sexuality why is it for some people so taboo to talk about why do people why are some people even disgusted by it which that was like the most offensive sort of uh, reaction that Mm -hmm. I received but then there were obviously some positive ones too Mm -hmm. where people where there were some women who were ready to just jump on board and really embrace that concept. 
and then others who had no education behind it, had no idea what it it was to improve your sexual health. Mm -hmm. And I find that very important because, you know, as a woman, I think that we should know about, you know, not just basic health, but also Mm -hmm. sexual health and also as a doctor. Absolutely. And, you know, going back to what in your bio, you said that as a midwife, you notice that healthcare practitioners don't really talk to their patients about sexual health, Mm -hmm. whether it's male or female. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there is that small percentage of practitioners that do, but overall speaking, we don't really learn about it in medical school. And exactly. Most doctors or healthcare practitioners have had one human sexuality class. It's, you know, not very expansive. It doesn't ask that you discuss your own sexuality. And I argue that you can't have a conversation with someone about sex unless you've explored your own sexuality. Right. And when we look at the history of medicine you know, in the 1800s and going into the 1900s, there were medical textbooks that stated that healthy women had no sexual desire. And, you know, that's when we, in the height of the Victorian movement, you know, they, the medical community believed that masturbation led to sickness and or death. That right. women that had sexual desire and masturbated were often treated with clitorectomies, you know, through acid or cutting off the clitoris, wow. hysterectomies, removing the uterus. And actually that was what it was through discovering that you could, you know, then they had to treat women by masturbating them to calm down their hysterical nature. And there's yeah. a great movie about yeah. this called Hysteria. And this is why the vibrator was created because it took so long to get women to orgasm that some guy developed a vibrating machine that could help cure women of their emotional and physical ills. So if we look at the history of medicine, there was no, the clitoris wasn't, it wasn't until 2007 that we even had a full 3D image of the internal clitoris from an MRI. That's insane. The medical community is so behind because hundreds of years of saying, of suppressing women's sexuality, it was illegal to have sex in any position other than on your back. It was illegal to have oral sex with a partner. I mean, sex has been so suppressed in our culture. Right. So it's not just, but it's not just medicine that is backwards when it comes to sex. It's just humans, maybe. Humans, because there are places in the world that are still doing clitorectomies on women. So what do you think is so misunderstood with female sexuality or sexuality in general, but um, specifically female sexuality? Because why is it considered so taboo? Mm-hmm. And that's a big discussion. Yeah. <laughs> I think the biggest <laughs> misunderstanding is how sexual we are. 100 like, percent speak to that right yeah, yeah. <laughs> there i mean i think i think now 2019 right. we're talking more about it and there's more dialogue about it which is amazing i don't know if any of you any of you guys watch the television show big mouth it's a cartoon on netflix yes. mm-hmm. they have this whole episode where all these teenage or like the young boys are going through puberty it's a you know show about kids going through puberty and the boys are like wait, women get horny too? And they have like their heads exposed. They're like, what? That, that's a thing? Like they also feel horny? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, we are human beings. And if anything, like women sometimes, I mean, women argue we're more we're, sexual. I would and there are some scientific studies that argue that yes, women 100%. are more sexual. And if you look back at the Middle Ages when they were preaching in, from the pulpit, it was yeah. control female sexuality. Women are the mm. lustful ones. Women will like bring down yeah. the village because they'll sleep with every guy in it. Like we are insatiable sexually. We can have orgasm after orgasm. Men have a long refractory <laughs> yeah. period unless they learn to have non ejaculatory yeah. orgasms. So I think that's why we've been so suppressed because as we're now owning our sexuality, it's, it's like, can get pretty, yeah. pretty nuts. And it starts at like such a young age too. Like speaking of big mouth, like 
the fact that it's always like middle schoolers, that's when it starts. Like when, when you start to learn that it's bad to feel certain things or it's, it's maybe wrong to be lustful. Like I grew up in Texas in a super conservative community. Really great. Um, Yeah. And then middle school, we had the kind of like the talk at the school and our parents had to sign off on it and stuff. And they took the boys to the gym and the girls to the library and the boys learned how to check themselves for testicular cancer, which is really great and important because it's out there. It's a thing. The girls, we learned that we were cakes and that if we gave a slice to every boy, we'd run out of cake. Wait, um, no wow. way. Yeah. That's like so the I'm one where offended. you pass around a cup and everyone spits in it and they say, this is what like you're going to give your future husband is just like a cup full of spit if you have sex yeah. with other partners or, yeah. Uh, but and then, then, but then what about, what about the fact, sorry to interrupt, but what about the fact that who are all these men having sex with? They right. have to have, you know, like the heterosexual men obviously are having sex with heterosexual women, so it takes two to tango. Yeah. Right. So how do they... Yeah. The boys that? aren't cake, though. They're right. infinite, I suppose. Yeah, right. <laughs> and these are long cultural trends that have been going on for... Mm-hmm. And we're just starting to come to the other side of that, which is why culture, it's so confusing right now. Like dating and marriage and mm-hmm. sex right. and, uh, you yeah. know, like we're literally in this new territory because for hundreds of years, sexuality has been suppressed. And we've had yeah. stories like that that have just you know, weighed us down with guilt and shame and this whole narrative. And I think that that also, not even just sexually, but I think as a gender in general, women, like, because we're so powerful, I think there's this, there is a long history of men trying to hold us back, you know, suppress us. I mean, not Why? even just sexually, but Why? just, I mean, think about, I mean, I don't want to bring it into politics, but think about, like, the state of our government now with all the regulations on women's mm-hmm. health, like, all these men making bills about women without asking a single woman, right. you know, it's, like, constantly trying to keep us in a lower level. Women get paid less than men for work. It's just, right. and I think it's because a lot of men are, they see this potential that women can really, like, run the world, you know, and it's like, what can we do to regulate them? You know, so that... So, so how do we balance female sexuality? How do we, as women, show that it's okay to be sexual and female and create a harmonious balance amongst women and men in that yeah. sort of, mm-hmm. you know, for saying there's a conflict there. Like, you know, society has allowed men to be sexual creatures, yeah. but suppressed women. So how do we, as women, say, no, it's okay, but still live harmoniously amongst yeah. men because of course I like men. <laughs> I, I have a lot of male friends and I mean, I say all men, I'm not saying all men are like this, but I mean, as a society, it's pretty evident that right. there is a majority of men. I mean, I think education is one of the biggest mm. tools that we have, especially educating young because yeah. a lot of people are ingrained at a young age with certain ideas and, you know, just predispositions on like how things should be. And it's hard to necessarily break away from that. But we need an education that, and this is what comprehensive sex education is that people Mm -hmm. don't understand. They think kids are going to go to like second grade and they're going to learn about anal sex. And, (laughs) you know, like this is what people are afraid of. But if you look at the curriculum of comprehensive sex ed, you learn about consent. You learn about your body. You learn about, I mean, so that, because my answer to your question is how do we go out in the world and participate in this kind of equal, pleasurable sexual relationships we have to have the skill set to, to negotiate consent because the old model was the man would just kind of push and kiss you and push his way in and the woman would sort of submit. And so now we need communication skills, we need sexual education, yeah. and we need images of sexual women that are empowered and happy. They can be in monogamous relationships, they can be free, and we need that in the media, we need that in the yeah. world so, because we don't realize how much as social creatures 
we're constantly sort of regulating our behavior based on what we see other people mm -hmm. are doing. And Absolutely. this is shifting, you know, in the media and whatnot and conversations like this. We, I say in my practice that one of the biggest things that happens is you just give a woman permission to be sexual. Yeah. It's just like we don't even realize that. And I always compare it to when I knew this guy who was like, yeah, I up and moved to Europe. And I was like, oh, that's a thing. And then I was like, oh, I can up and move to yeah. Europe. And like that's literally all it was. It was a conversation where I was like, oh, we're, we're both humans and you yeah. did that. So right. I can do that. And it's the same. You can tell a woman, you can have vaginal orgasms. You can squirt and ejaculate. You can have orgasms. Is that something that... You're, you're saying a partner should discuss amongst each other? Yes, but I think it, it's also a larger cultural conversation mm -hmm. because, right. yeah, I mean, we are not these isolated little units and we just no. decide how we're going to be in the world. We're constantly up against the society, the culture, growing up in mm -hmm. Texas, living in, in a mm -hmm. city like L.A. Yeah. You know, you see these dynamics and they're really big and powerful. So we have to change those bigger things, not just who we are in the world. Absolutely. So sexual education, comprehensive sexual education... What, I mean, CLIT does a lot of education, mm -hmm. educational work for women specifically. How are they, how are you guys in helping incorporate sexual education to the youth or to women? And I know you guys focus specifically on minority women too, right? Yeah, exactly. So when we talk to like health systems and healthcare providers, a lot of what we hear is not only, you know, people aren't talking about their sexual health with their doctors, the doctors aren't asking about it. And it's particularly prevalent in certain communities, especially where there's, you know, maybe a lack of cultural competency yeah. or there's some kind of distance between you and the provider. So what we're doing or trying to do is kind of bring sexual health and sex education to where the people are. So kind of like being active on Instagram, making podcasts, things like that. Yeah. It's things that really, I mean, it shouldn't be surprising, but it is surprising that like health insurers and hospital systems, they're like, we don't get it. We can't, we can't reach out to people. We're putting telehealth in their hands. We're putting all these resources mm -hmm. in their hands and they're not using them. Why? And it's because those resources aren't welcoming. It's still coming from that kind of like patriarchal, really like grandpa kind of teaching you what to do with sex yeah, kind of where kind of abstinence is the answer. <laughs> yeah exactly no it's not yeah. Like that. yeah exactly it's so if you're underlying message that yeah. sex is dangerous right gross, all of that well it, it can you know it can be you know dangerous if you're not doing it safely right with anything, right? With anything. Right. But yeah. yeah, if the what I argue is that if you don't have access to healthcare, then mm -hmm. it becomes an issue. And if you're not having mm -hmm. conversations about sex with your partner, then it becomes an Absolutely. issue. So, you know, I always tell people, like, we have a really high rate of gonorrhea chlamydia right now, in, in especially in young people, which is yeah. where mm -hmm. it's existed for a while. But now it's in huge numbers. And if you think about this population, they're on birth control. They're, so they, they don't have to use condoms. Right. Now, it's not a huge deal if you get gonorrhea chlamydia because you if you get checked every 90 yeah. days, which is what I do if you're a sexually active person, yeah. there's an antibiotic. It's not the end of the world. But, but even it's not that, the end of the world, but you don't want to get it. You don't want to get, get it. Want to get it. And it, but if you do get it, you don't want to leave it untreated and right. have Absolutely. It, you know, create problems in your fallopian tubes. But I think... We also, at the same time that we want responsible sexual citizens, we also don't need to make sex this really scary thing at the same time. Like I, I say sexually transmitted infections, not sexually yeah. transmitted diseases, because I want people to understand, yeah, you can get infections. Things happen yeah. in life, and you, that's why you need to be seeing a healthcare practitioner, yeah. be active in your health, have a good immune mm -hmm. system, take care of your body, and make sexually smart choices. I always Absolutely. recommend, you know, to my patients before they have sex, with their partner, I mean, not always done this way, 
but to get checked before you guys decide to have sex. Absolutely. Without a condom. Yes. Yeah. But even with a condom, condom is not 100% effective too. So. Right. But even like if you have herpes and you use a condom, mm-hmm. you could still get herpes. Yeah. So, you know, the best protection is to have those conversations to like check things out, to have a strong immune system yourself. And they're less sexually risky behaviors. Like penile vaginal sex with a condom is not going to have the risk that anal sex without a condom is going to have, for example, yeah. because of the access of the, of the semen to the bloodstream, something yeah. like that. And knowing if someone has cold sores or open herpes sore, mm. something can go right into your bloodstream that way. And, and you know, yeah. we just should have this education. Like, everyone Absolutely. should know this right? um, yes. to really be empowered sexually. And something that, like, Clit is really concerned about on that front, with the young people especially, is that, you know, you can get Facebook ads for ED medication. Yes. Um, but you never see a Facebook ad for, like, check yourself. Oh um, because different internet entities will regulate those kinds of messages for people and you just yes you can do anything about sexual health on facebook you're not allowed to do anything about sexual health on facebook but you can talk about you can put an ad for viagra as big as you want i mean that's male sexual health yeah yeah Yeah. so why are why are you not able to do any why are you not because they consider it it's linked with women being sex workers and advertising sex or pornography that i'm serious so facebook thinks that like a woman who is enjoying her sex life is a sex worker. Yeah, or that if you, if you want to disseminate yeah. any information about female sexuality, it's, yeah, it's just shut down on Instagram, awful. too. I yeah. Don't shut ad, us down. I have an ad <laughs> about period sex, and they would not show it because, oh, it's period sex. It's What's wrong with period sex? Nothing's nothing. wrong with nothing. period sex. What's wrong with exactly. period sex? What's Literally right with nothing. <laughs> nothing is wrong with it, but society has all this, like, stigma and taboo mm-hmm. based on female sexual health yeah. that is trying to shame us, like, Men getting boners, that's totally fine, but like, oh, women orgasming properly or like wanting more resources in terms of figuring Mm. stuff out, that's not okay. And that's like a societal problem that we have to combat with like comprehensive education at a young age, but also educating the older people who are educating the youth. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's a huge thing. I was very lucky because I grew up with very comprehensive sexual health. I went to a very liberal high school and I learned all the things. I mean, sex ed. (laughs) A plus. <laughs> A plus on that. And so I'm very blessed in that sense. And I came into my own sexually at a very young age. Before I even had the talk with my mom, I knew what sex was. Intuition. Because it, yeah. it's human intuition. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was right? I was like popping off orgasms oh, no. before I, I even was, knew I what orgasm was. intuitive. I remember coming home from the sixth grade from my sex ed class. And this boy had asked in the class, the teacher didn't talk about oral sex. But this boy had raised his hand and mm. said, like, does that apply to oral sex? And my brain was like oral sex Sex. like I can't (laughs) and I literally walked right in the door walked right up to my mom and I was like what is oral sex and she's like oh it's when you put your mouth on the genitals of the other person and I was (gasps) oh your mom answered the question yeah and I said my next question was do you and dad do that and she was like yeah and I ran to my room sobbing because to (laughs) me the genitals were dirty and Mm, so if you were to put your mouth like that would be no different than like putting your mouth to me on like a toilet seat and that's why these Deeper messages about sex being dirty, wrong, our genitals. Yeah. There are cultures that still refer to your genitals as like, you know, your dirty parts yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And like that yeah. underlying message has to change or else yeah. I would have been like, oh, oral sex. Or if I'd grown up on a farm, you see animals like, yeah. you know, like 69ing basically. Yeah. I was yeah. in Ireland and just watching these dogs like 69 and I was like, <laughs> and one was on her period. I was like, there you go. Yeah. So sex positive. This is natural. <laughs> yeah, this is natural. So we talked about, you know, female sexuality and 
what it's meant in culture and society. And we decided that education is the route, right? I also so, think, just uh, just sorry to interrupt, but part of that is I think it's more important than ever now because of access to the internet mm-hmm. and pornography. Like when I was a kid, mm-hmm. the only way I was watching porn is like on the scramble channels, you know, and I was definitely oh. that girl who was like, oh my God, I think I see a boob. Like, yeah. and it's like softcore scramble porn on cable. And that was like the only way you could do it. Now you could go anywhere at any age and Google yeah. and find the most insane porn. So I think there needs to be this education. Right. As well, because suddenly everyone's going to think that, I mean, granted, all my sex is very porn-esque, but (laughs) most people, it's not like that. So I also think that, like, men have this idea of, like, how sex should be because of porn and, like... Men or women. Or women, you know? Women have an idea from movies where the couple falls into bed and it just, like, all kind of works, right? Nobody has to say a word. And, and everybody comes. Sex and is awkward like, sometimes. It's messy. There are weird bodily functions happening. Nothing goes perfect. You have to like, ask for things. You have to There's ask not as like a cut, and you're in a different position. Yeah, Can you change yeah. that angle? Wait, let me. Yeah, okay, that no. feels good. And yeah, you have to be able to laugh. You have to be able to be like, oh, this weird thing just happened, but let's get through it. You know, and I think <laughs> let's things, get through it. Through, get through stuff. Do I need to drink yeah. the water. I, mean, like, I do yeah. that all the time. The water. If I'm like, you know, getting into some horror. Like, excuse yeah. me, I just need to wet my mouth. I was just like, pause for one second and like drink from a so, water bottle. So I wanted to talk, I wanted to go over maybe some educational points that us wise women can give yeah. since we think education is so important. Yeah. So one really important question, I think a lot of women don't know how to have an orgasm. This what is would accurate. be like your individual tips on having an orgasm? She's okay. pointing to I'll you. Start, okay. so. I'll start with you. I'll start with you. I feel like you got this one. She can open the door and lead the way. I mean, I think that the number one, I think every woman needs to masturbate and they need to figure out exactly what works for them. Because I know a lot of women who are like, my guy can't get me off. And I'm like, well, do you know what you like specifically in mm. order to orgasm? Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of women are like, oh, no, I don't really masturbate. I don't do that. I'm like, well, you're never going to, like, truly enjoy sex if you, A, exactly. don't know what works for you, and then, B, can't communicate that to your partner. Mm-hmm. Because sex, there's so much communication that goes into, like, good sex. Like, mm-hmm. anyone can have sex, but if you want really great sex, you need to be able to communicate. And to do that, you need to know what you want. Also, one of my favorite tips is pre-baiting before sex. <laughs> All I'm saying, you know, because once you've orgasmed, it's significantly easier to keep orgasming. So I, I mean, like sometimes if I know I'm going to like get down, I'll like masturbate a bit and have a few orgasms and be like, I'm ready. And then it's just like, bam, bam, bam. <laughs> I'm very lucky orgasmic So it's like, pop them off. Boom, 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 boom. But I think you really need to know yourself. Yeah. 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 Cassie? I have like kind of a similar thought but a little bit more like I don't know like mental health and wellness of course um so <laughs> I'm just like popping orgasms yeah. like let's get into the brain no but like I I feel like one of my biggest challenges in life in general is getting like way too much into my head mm-hmm. so like I'm I think the biggest breakthrough I had and I've had the same partner for a while and there was a point where I was like more comfortable with myself as an individual in my own body and my own, the way I looked and the way I move and the way I feel about myself in my own skin, mm-hmm. that just, it changed sexually as well. Like once you kind of deal with your own self-image and your yep. own thoughts about like who you are and what it means to be sexual and am I even sexy? Like, what does that yeah. look like for me? Once you deal with that, it's much easier to kind of like 
I don't know, like let go. Absolutely. Like it, it feels like you're let not go. like thinking about stuff let the whole go. time. And it's out of your out of your brain into your body. Yeah. And it's not that it wasn't good or wasn't fun when you're in your brain. It's just like there's a difference. Like very clearly there was a more healthy response once I was more comfortable like with myself. So yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. Agreed. Yeah, I definitely agree masturbation is essential because you're actually building these pathways mm-hmm. to the brain around orgasm and you you practice just like in life you have to get good at stuff I wasn't good at having orgasms when I first started masturbating when I was 12 or whatever like it took mm-hmm. me a lot of time to figure out like oh I can use my hand that way and yeah. I can think about this and like oh but this is a way more erotic thing to, I didn't have that word at 12 but like, <laughs> this is a way more arousing erotic thing to think yeah. about than that to get me there. And I also agree that you you have to be comfortable being a sexual being. You can't yes. show up for sex and be resisting your own sexuality. Yeah. So the more comfortable you are with your body, your nakedness, look at your genitals in the mirror, explore yes. the inside yeah. of your own vagina, yes. know where your cervix is, <clears throat> then you show up and, and, and you've also challenged some of those ideas about, you know, that I'm, again, as women, we shouldn't be sexual or, or whatnot. But I also, what I work with clients on is owning their fantasy. And mm. I find that if you ask a man, what do you think about when you masturbate? He'll be like, tits, ass, this, that, <laughs> list, you know, or, you know, nowadays most men watch porn, unfortunately. But if you say, okay, before porn, what did you think about? You ask women and so often they don't know what they fantasize yeah. about or there's like a little glimpse of it and they shut it down because they're like, yeah. oh, I shouldn't think about that. They have a same-sex fantasy and they're like, oh, do I shouldn't have, think about that. Do we that. have guilt they, surrounding our sexual 100% fantasies? 110%. 110%. Studies, studies show, <laughs> studies show <laughs> that... People who fantasize have better orgasms. They have better sex. So I work with with women and also with men to really own your fantasies. If they're kinky, if they're vanilla, if they seem a little scary to you, if they're whatever they are, just keep exploring them and let yourself explore that when you masturbate. And then when you're with a partner, you're not separating from your partner if you bring in an element of of fantasy. I call it the lens that you view sex with. So if you're having sex with a partner and, and... a lot of women struggle to have orgasms with partners. Mm-hmm. I ask them, well, what are you focusing on? Because I could walk into this room and my focus could be really general and I, you know, I'm just not having an experience. But if I focus in on like the feeling I get looking at the plant or the feeling I get looking at this very phallic shape of my gown. <laughs> so then you do that in sex. You're having sex with your partner and you're focusing on like, oh wow, look at that big thing that's gonna go inside me. It's so big, it's so big. This is what, or I, I'm so sexy and you know, my breasts are in his yeah. face and like, I'm this, you know, I'm taking his sex. He can't resist me. Like let your mind go down these paths yeah. and that's what will amp up your arousal and help you have an orgasm with the partner. Which brings wow. you communication. Wow. You need to, to have the best sex. You need to communicate your wants and needs. And to do that, you need to explore it within yourself. You know, I mean, I was with my boyfriend and I, we were in the car and I was like, I have this fantasy that this, this, and this, I also have this other fantasy <laughs> yes. of this, this, and this. And I'm just like, and I he knows to, me well enough. Yeah, I'm going to say it. have been married for decades and they never have this conversation. I asked them, well, what does your wife masturbate? I don't know. What does she think about when she masturbates? I don't know. What sexual things does she still want to do this lifetime? I don't know. Well, you've been married 10 years. Could you go home and ask her? Yeah. And then come back and see her for your next session. They don't, they don't they have don't these conversations. Yeah. And, when you, and then when they do, yeah. what changes do you notice? Oh, they start to settle into their bodies, their sexuality. Mm. It becomes like 
because it, it's not just our sex. Our sex desire is like us. It's our essence. So it's like if I can share with a partner, today I was masturbating and then like my mind went off and I was thinking this, isn't that like funny or, you know, and yeah. we're just like, then we suddenly realize, oh, I'm not hiding parts of myself. I'm not having to keep my sex a secret. And then when we're, when we're secretive and isolated, we're disconnected. When we're, when there's no more secrets, we're connected. Yeah. And so right. this opens up connection that we need like in our relationships, but even in society. So having said, you know, talking about your fantasy, I think a lot of times people suppress their fantasies because they're not necessarily fantasizing about their partner. Mm. Yeah. And then the jealousy comes in and all of that. So how do you sort of get through that as a couple? Because mm-hmm. it's... Yeah. Do you want to speak well, to that? I mean, I think that there's a point where you have to decide when you're in a couple, like if there is certain things that offend, you know, like if mm-hmm. I'm, if you're with a super monogamous guy, but you're having fantasies about threesomes and foursomes and they're offended by that and angry by it, maybe you guys aren't the most compatible in terms of sexuality mm-hmm. and what you want to need. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I was with somebody where we were not on the same page sexually and mm-hmm. it reflected in our sex life mm-hmm. 100%. So I think that if there are some like super fundamental things, like if you tell your boyfriend or significant other about a fantasy and they are shaming you for it that is not the right relationship to be in Mm -hmm. point blank i agree because there are i have clients that literally like they just think about their husband when they masturbate and like that's all right and you know and maybe it's like what they're wearing with their husband or they have sex in the backyard or they have sex in an airplane or they have sex in like their mother-in-law is about to walk in so it's not that they're and again you can bring those elements into the bedroom i'm not my mind isn't off thinking about some actor I want to have sex with. Yeah. I'm present with my partner. I'm present with my body. But if I bring in the idea that someone might be watching us, it might amp up my arousal. Yes. I'm not cheating. I'm not, you know, right. checking out. I'm just bringing in an element of, of a lens of perception of that experience. And yeah, I agree. Some things you can't tell your partner or you tell your partner and they're like, that makes me feel a little jealous or a little sad. You say, oh, I'm sorry, that makes you sad. And, but I think as you open up and understand each other sexually, yeah. you know, there's some things you might not tell your partner but the fact that you've owned them yourself means you're going to be more comfortable with your sexuality and I agree it's all about finding the right fit and so what's so sad to me is that good sex is one of the best indicators for longevity in a relationship and yet Mm -hmm. most people end up marrying people they're not sexually compatible with you hear this all the Mm -hmm. time they're like well I kind of had my days and I sewed my well coats (laughs) and she'd be a really good mother because she's kind of like my mother and you know I'll have kids and the woman does the same she doesn't want to have sex with this guy the rest of her life Mm -hmm. and yet they marry each other that you know one of the biggest points you know being a very sexually empowered woman and I mean I started masturbating at four or five years old like Mm -hmm. my mom and her friends nicknamed me (laughs) the masturbator when I was a kid because I would just like masturbate in my car seats yeah you know (laughs) So I've been as many do as many do. There was a house episode about that. One actually is the you know medically documented age of we're sexual from birth until death. So think about it. We're born, and the first thing your parents doing is like touching your anus and your genitals. They're cleaning, cleaning, touching, touching. Eventually, the child's able to move their hand in a direction, find their genitals, and so masturbate. We even have images of babies masturbating in utero. So we are sexual. That was probably bad. Conception. Sex made us. We were sexual in utero, sucking, touching, mm, sensual, feel so good. And then sexuality keeps evolving as we move through our life. And we masturbate from a very young age. We have sex games from a very young age. You know, four, five, six, seven. What is this in the bottle? 
That's probably why it's so yes. so painful and traumatizing for some people too to for it to be so natural to children and then yes. for it to me- immediately be like shamed or shunned. Yeah, and it shuts down. Touch yeah, right away. Exactly. Or like yeah. even like kids are short, so they like hug you and they like hug your butt or like they'll hug your crotch and it's yeah. like somebody will tell them like no don't don't touch her there and they're like what like I'm yeah, just I hugging just, someone mm-hmm. so there's a lot of like subliminal ways exactly. that it like digs yeah. in and we don't name parts you know we say like we, you know your penis and maybe your mother says vagina if she's enlightened but now we're like no like my daughter she says vulva she knows the difference yeah. between her vulva mm-hmm. and her vagina and the other day we had a conversation about the clitoris and we have yeah. you know we just yeah. it's a it's a she knows when I have my period she's like She's like, do you have your period? <laughs> yeah. She asked me when I'm in yeah. the bathroom. I'm like, not this week. It's coming next week. Like, And so there's never going to be this like sit down, you know, weird yeah. conversation where I'm like, sweetie, let me tell you this like big secret mm. that we've been keeping from you the whole time. Right. It's yeah. just this thing we're always talking about as is age appropriate and yeah. as she has questions. Yeah. Wow. And questions are coming younger and younger. I remember yeah. my cousin who's now in her 20s. And I'll, I mean, I'll talk about any topic really. <laughs> I remember she was maybe 13 mm-hmm. and I was 23 and she was like so what's the deal with anal sex like mm-hmm. give me the details I was like okay yeah I will absolutely and I because my family it's you're either I'm the weird one who's like in her <laughs> 30s but everyone's either like 60 or younger <laughs> you know so I'm you know she can't ask my like 60 year old mom so like what's the deal with getting fucked in the ass <laughs> but like what's the deal with anal sex yeah and I was just really straightforward with her and very educational I'm like you know, if you're going to do anal sex, try this, you know. And I think, you know, and she was like 13, not even a blink. So right. Tell me about this. Educate right. yeah. me. Well, and what we know about education is the people that are against it think, oh, if we tell them about it, they'll do it. But that's yeah. not true. And studies have shown that that's not true. That yeah. education just fills in that like hole in your mind that you want to understand the yeah. world. It doesn't mean this person's going to race out and do it, but it, they want understanding. Right. Yeah. Education is so important for everything. And you're oh, right. Yeah. It doesn't mean that just because you're educated on a topic, you're going to necessarily do it. Yeah. 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 And suppressing it almost makes it, it makes it more aggressive. Right. And it's not a bad thing if you do it. And also now we have a larger conversation about LGBTQ issues. And so then it brings up the question of like, you know, as we're moving away from penile vaginal sex is the only like society approved, church approved, legislation approved. You know, we only lifted the sodomy laws like not that long ago. Which everyone thinks sodomy is anal sex, by the way. But sodomy is any type of sex that doesn't make a baby. So Mm -hmm. a heterosexual couple having oral sex, sodomy heterosexual cup having anal sex sodomy you I'm could be arrested yes i am 100 so wait 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 this is like a federal law this was i write about this in my book the new rules of sex because it's so important to understand you know our history legislation you know the fact like why is it that you know we had to overcome the, this hang up and now we're overcoming that and it's important to understand too that we're all equal. It's not like, yeah. oh, you're doing this weird mm. anal sex thing. Like, no, we're all doing sex yeah. that makes babies that doesn't make babies. That's pleasurable that we're like, mm, I don't know. I have to like explore that yeah. more to see. Yeah. And, and that people have sex in different ways. And just because you have a same sex male couple doesn't mean they're having anal. They might be just doing hand jobs and yep. blow jobs and cuddling all day. Yep. <laughs> just like two lesbian or same sex female couple, they might use a strap on, they might not. They yep. might use vibrators, they might not even have sex, you know? Right. So. So we have to understand the full spectrum of human sexuality because it also it gets rid of 
I mean, I went to ballet camp in Laramie, Wyoming, like the year oh. after that gay boy yeah. was like brutally murdered there. And, you know, I, and I'm still very connected to the trans community yeah. and people that are murdered for their sexuality. And I work with clients that tell me they have fantasies. Trans is a suppressed part of we all have trans within us. We mm -hmm. all have parts where we're masculine, we're feminine, oh, yes. we feel it's we want to be the penetrator, yes. we want to be penetrated. Yes. And as we're stepping into this, we see that, wow, it's not me versus them, that they're this other and we're separate. We're all the same. And so sex education that is comprehensive, we see that we all have these sexual bodies that we can yeah. use in different ways. And we're really like moving sex out of this box it's been in. That's so great. 2019 is yeah. so great. But we're wrapping up. Wrapping up. <laughs> the, I think this is just like an important thing to mention because I was going to say it before and the Madonna whore complex oh that God. exists because you were yes. mentioning like they don't, they're not with the person. So the Madonna whore complex is the idea of like, you know, in a patriarchal society, the man's going to fuck the whore but marry the Madonna right. and you can't You're have one both. or the other. The, per, the girl you have the threesome with or go to the sex parties with is not the girl you but bring home to But that's what's mom. happening. That happens every day. I know. And, and that's a problem. 2019. I'm... So sick. Of, <laughs> yeah, I'm so sick of people being like, "Oh, well, you had a threesome with that guy. Of course, he's not going to want you to be his girlfriend." And I was like, "I just because so I'm a very important. sexually explorative person yeah. who, you know, pushes the boundaries yeah. and like clears out the taboo, does not mean I'm not somebody you take home to mom or you like make official. Because guess what? Yeah. The woman who like, you know, yeah. my, like a pro can also be an amazing wife and there should be this mother, dissonance. And, and, and mother. Everything. That's yeah. so true. I had a one-night stand become my longest relationship. Yes, and so I was true. Like, I didn't want him. He pursued me. Yeah. I'm like, that's so true. Well, thank you everyone for joining me <laughs> yeah. this morning. Yeah. Honestly, I think we could talk the whole day okay. and we won't even scratch the surface. Right. I mean, this could be episode one of the sex. Honestly, seriously, it's a good topic to talk about. It is. And I think it's, it's an important. important one. So thank you so much for coming on and, you know, donating your early morning time <laughs> for such an important topic. Oh, yeah. We will have everyone's websites available, everyone's Instagrams available. Thanks for watching and see you next time. Bye. <laughs> so if you like what you heard and you're motivated to live the best you, please subscribe to the podcast.